Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And sometimes you get one of these games when your backs are against the wall, nobody, including your own supporters, gives you a chance. And by some miracle, the players pull out what can only be described as a miracle on grass. Matthew, tell me how you saw this game. Uh, well, I saw it well. Uh, obviously, I wasn't live there, but I uh, did get to watch uh, along on the on the screen and couldn't really believe what I was what I was seeing. But uh, I mean, it's um, it, it's very similar to, and I believe uh, we started the season quite similarly. Uh, and, and you could probably tell me more about this, but it's quite similar to that West Coast game in 2004 where Heard uh, kicked the kicked the goal and, and hugged the bloke. Just that was round it. three, but yeah, we'd, we'd lost the first two. Heard he was in trouble with the media uh, or with the AFL for blaming the umpire for giving us a bad run because he was a terrible umpire. Um, Scott McLaren. Yeah, and just... It was it was curtains. West Coast were really good that year. Um, they were an up and coming team. Obviously, they ran, won the premiership in two thousand and six, I believe. So the core of that team was there. Um, and geez, it was a, a win for the ages that one. Yeah, it was. It's quite similar, but it wasn't. There was a bit going wrong at like you know with our sort of the two thousand that era of the two thousands was coming to a close. We weren't quite as good as what we were. Um, I just finished actually reading Matthew Lloyd's uh, biography not too long ago, so uh, hence that's in the front of my mind. But there was a bit going on at Essendon and we were sort of on the demise. Cult- culturally, we are being questioned and uh, from Matthew's reports, uh, that was uh, quite, it was, you know, well-founded. Um, well, the, the thing is that um, very that similar. year, the media had pumped us up. Everyone expected us to bounce back from a poor 2002 and win the premiership that year. Yeah, right. So yeah. a bit like this year, everyone sort of uh, expected us to, and including us. Yeah. Um, and we oh, look, definitely went on record to say that. I didn't expect <laughs> us to play, to win the grand final. I expected us to improve much more than we have. I but, would um, only have to uh, go back to perhaps a pre-round one uh, podcast material. And I uh, could, uh, in fact, if uh, you're, you're the uh, audio guy on this, but if I was, I would probably get some snippets of what you had to say. That's it. <laughs> That is way too much effort for a Monday evening. <laughs> but um, we were driving in, right? Me and your brother and uh, the Don father, the Don mother, and Laura. Um, we were driving in, and the new as we pulled into Marvel Stadium, the news drops five late changes. And mate, I tell you what, we were close to turning the car around and coming home. Because we thought there's no chance, there is no chance we're even going to be competitive tonight. So we lost Waterman, Kelly, Ridley, Guelphie, and Durham. Four of those five have legitimately been our best four players for the year, barring <laughs> <laughs> barring two meter Peter. And Alec Waterman has had a couple of weeks of of really good form. That's on top of Stringer going out during the week. And then we bring in, literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. There, There is not one fit player left on the list that could have come in for that game that wasn't someone who is absolutely just not ready for football. Um, so we bring in Francis, Zerk Thatcher, Ham, Nick Bryan. Nick Bryan was in already. Nick Hind um, and Devin Smith, who earlier in the week, the club had said he's going to miss a month of football to get his knee right. So, and Alistair Lord comes in as the medical sub. And then the other emergency was Tom Hurd, who by all reports, if you follow anything Essendon related, is showing signs, but he's nowhere near an AFL debut. So, Maddie, how did you feel when uh, those five late changes came through on your end? Well, I'd actually given up hope already. Like, uh, the, my housemate, um, I was with them, my housemate who I live with, the um he was actually going to the game um and i said oh what why the hell are you wasting your time why why are you going to that waste of time so 
Uh, I can't say I'd given up hope because I already had no hope. Um, and certainly, yeah, just uh, after we, we'd had an 80-point win uh, in the um, in my local team. So I wasn't, I wasn't in any rush to sort of get out of there. The mood was pretty good. I thought, no way am I going to that somber shellacking that we'd be facing. So uh, I wasn't uh, – I can't say I was sad because – or, you know, sort of in disbelief. I was in disbelief, but I wasn't uh, too upset because I'd already sort of given up hope. So, um... yeah, we were a bit the same. We started laughing. We thought this is, this is absolute, like this is laughable now that we're already we're going to get pumped, and then to lose five players before the game, like mm. it's just in comedy territory at this point. Mm. Well, can I just die? you know what I was probably more shocked at What's the that? fact that uh, you were not. With your mum on uh, Mother's Day. In fact, you, you went in with your daughter. Uh, uh, to what I, uh, I saw on the the socials. This was Saturday night, mate. Yeah, but I want to. I want to. Uh, I just. Sorry, we got to get a bit. Uh, just delve deep in the early segments. Get the people uh, interested in the lives of the Don Father um, hosts. Well, uh, as it may have happened. <laughs> Uh, I actually watched two games of football live this weekend because oh boy. Ashley, whose first Mother's Day it was, managed to procure some box tickets for us for the Melbourne-St Kilda match. And you didn't want to forego that for the significance well, of the day? Well, given it was uh, Ashley's first Mother's Day and she was the one pushing for the box tickets, I thought, well, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and run along with it. Because had I been given the box tickets on Mother's Day and made the suggestion to Ashley, there is no chance I was going to a corporate box on Mother's Day. But seeing as it bounced around the other way, the footy god smiled upon me this weekend. Mm, might have to have a chat to your wife. Say, what are you doing? You make no sense. <laughs> you make zero sense. But anyway, I took, uh, took mum and Ash and uh, Ashley's mother, the... Uh, the Air Force Commander-in-Chief, uh, to breakfast Sunday morning before the game. And mm. uh, then uh, the Don mother actually uh, got the pleasure of looking after my little one. Yeah. Well, you can't complain with that. But uh, anyway, we've been going for about... How have we gone for here? This is the longest intro ever. I want to get into the game. All right. Well, why don't we have a little bit of a break then, Maddie, And we can come back with the likes and the dislikes. So, Maddie, 7.25 Saturday evening. Did we witness the rebirth of Essendon season? I'm actually with Cameron Ling on this one. Um, no need to uh, really be that. Um, that I, I mean, we always take a win, right? And certainly, it it uh, it opens the pressure valve and lets some pressure out. But uh, it's it's nothing to. There's still a lot to be proven yet, um, and. and uh, if there's one thing that's probably hurt us over the last, say, 10 years, it's getting ahead of ourselves. So um, we played a reasonable, it was probably like a quarter of footy, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to call any sort of thing yet, but it very well has the potential to be. Look, I, um, I think, I agree. I don't think it was a great performance, to be honest. Um, I think we played one really good quarter where we managed mm. to recapture some of the form that we had late last year, which is promising. But I think for large parts of that game, we hung on just, I think there were several instances as I always do every week where I turned to your brother and my sister and said, look, one more goal here and it is absolutely game over. It's curtains. Um, mm. And I think that was the case for large parts of the first half. Um, and certainly the third quarter was when we started to play away, but we weren't capitalizing on chances. Um, 
So a big one for me, big dislike, is the ease still in which Hawthorne were able to move the ball from end to end and generate scoring shots. Luckily for us, they particularly in the first quarter, they didn't take them. But that was quite a dislike for me. Yeah, I... Um... In in fairness, Hawthorne are very very good at at moving the ball. Um, I I what I will say to that comment before about is it the rebirth? I, I think in that last quarter, maybe even the last half, um, there are a lot of guys who perhaps realise either re realise what they're capable of, or finally that this could be the game in which they really. It's a, it's a, what's a word? Stone mark? That's not the right word. Um, but it, it, it's like that, that signifying point in their career where they're like, yep, this is when it sort of started turning. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I thought the way Francis was presenting mm-hmm. um, was, fa- he, he looked like a genuinely dangerous forward. Mm. Um, Nick Hind, obviously, um, you know, I, I think he, he found that dash back. Mm-hmm. Um, Heppel obviously, you know, easily had his best game for the season, and mm-hmm. um, you know, not to say this is his turning point for his career, but uh, maybe he's got a bit more in the tank than what otherwise uh, we we could have been thinking. Um, Zach Reed, I thought was encouraging. Zach uh, Reed so- has looked better and better with each performance. I yeah, mean, and he's only had three. Row, but yeah, right. I think he's going to be a very, very good footballer. So absolutely. I agree with you there. Yeah, uh, I think I think Sammy Draper further got one step closer to establishing his brand and and, and who he is. Because uh, the points in that game, yeah, as we said, we've said before the show, he had four disposals, but his imprint on the game, just from particularly late, um, was immense. Uh, and particularly I, with the I was screen. really surprised when I looked at the stats just before and saw he'd only had four disposals. He was way more influential than four disposals suggests. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I think perhaps we found evidence of a the way in which um, Parrish and Merritt uh, can influence games in a meaningful way and, and not just having you know, 40 for the sake of having 40, but actually, you know, I think, well, they were t- uh, technically down on there. Ah, oh, they weren't too much. I mean, it was still up there with 30-something, wasn't it? 32 and 28, so a little bit down to what they normally produce. But but far more influential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And meters gained, uh, just having a look at it. Yeah, they, they're up there. They're up there. Hindy, Cutler. Oh, Redmond's another one to speak about. I thought he was mm. uh, fantastic. Um, Cutler as well, very, very solid. And uh, for me, he, he's in our 22. And I, mm. um, I've said that from the start. I've been on him uh, for a while. I, I didn't give up faith in him, unlike some people on this show. Um, Nick, Nick Martin, obviously, yeah, I mean, you could go down the list, but he, he is a, he could very, very well be leading our best and fairest. Nick Martin is an out and out gun. He's going to be a very, very good player, hopefully, for this football club for a very long time. Mm. Uh, ben Hobbs is another one. I, I think for a young guy like that who's played less than 10 games, just having one game where you can realise, yeah, oh, I can actually make it at this level or I can hang, uh, that's huge. That's huge. Now he's got evidence and, and he can build some confidence off that. So um, so I want to I hit you with a like. Mm. And this is a, a general like. Um, and there's been more and more information coming out over the last couple of days. But I'm going to hit you with... Mason Redmond, Devin Smith, Brandon Zerk Thatcher, and I put Francis in this category. All four of these players were either sick or injured, and all four of them put their hands up to play. Like Devin Smith in particular, he cops it a lot for being a selfish player, etc., etc. He played that game with an injured knee. He should be missing four weeks to let the swelling settle down and get some fitness back, right? And he stepped up and played that game. And his influence far outweighs, similar to um, to Draper, far outweighs his disposals. So I think the pressure that he put on, we've been missing from the front of the ground. He only had 10 touches. Um, mm. But the pressure he put on, the chase, the tackle, um, 
was Six immense tackles. from from a guy who was carrying a knee injury. Zerk Thatcher went down at the first bounce, and he and it wasn't a soft tissue injury; it was a, a knee or an ankle. Um, I thought he'd been punched. I haven't watched the replay back yet, but um, he went down at the first bounce and was clearly carrying something all day and played out the game because they didn't want to make a sub. Mason Redmond was going to pull out of the game early, spoke to the team doctor and heard the situation and decided he was going to play instead. So a lot of, and and to me, Francis is still carrying that knee injury that he did in preseason. He hasn't quite recovered from that yet, as far as I'm concerned. So I just want to say, um, from a pundit's point of view, that was an incredibly courageous effort from those four players because I, I normally wouldn't condone playing underdone and playing injured, but we simply had no other option. And the performances that those four players put in under duress was immense. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, Mace, he, he might have had his best game in red and black. Uh, and the boys that came in as well, I mean, Cutler, I mean, Ham hasn't had a great day. Um, but yeah, Zerk to carry on. Um, albeit, I don't think he had his best day either, but... Oh, he was clearly, he clearly him, injured his ankle or his knee at the first bounce. Yeah. Um, another one I want to mention as well, I think, just another young guy, uh, per- Perkins. God, Jesus. Again, another 15 disposals, but... It just seems to be a much bigger influence on the game. Can we uh, can we please get the ball in his hands more? Because mm. if he was getting 20, 25 disposals, I think he would absolutely be tearing this league apart. He does not seem to make a bad decision or waste a possession for mine. Mm. Yeah, and he just looks so composed. And some of the kicks that he hits, like I think he has the potential to probably be the best from that draft that we've got. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean yeah. Uh, Reading Cox have a pretty high ceiling as well. But, um, yeah, no, there's a lot to... Uh, I, I think what we saw in the... It's just that's what we've been wanting to see for eight weeks, nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a really gutsy, team-focused, um, structured win. Uh, albeit, you know, for we probably didn't deserve to win that game for three quarters, um, but we just wanted to see a brand. You know, we've wanted to see a brand of football that looks good and dangerous. Players that you know really play for their team first, um, and, and you know are committed to a result and 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 are willing to do whatever it takes. You know, defending. Um, you know, Darcy obviously he's come under. Flack for you know not not chasing and all that sort of stuff. He's had the highest tackles on the ground, so uh, all second highest. Um, so I th- it's just what we wanted to see, just a real team win where you you can look at some individuals and go, yeah, they've they've really improved and they're showing us what they're actually capable of, mm-hmm. as 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 compared to when they came in, say uh, you know, or when when Truck came in. So so the big thing that I noticed in in this game that sets us apart from previous games um, is that we actually had some dash and some dare off halfback mm. and we moved the ball quickly. Whereas in previous weeks, we've been way too cautious with the ball. We've been playing whoosh ball, which is stop, prop, you know, long down the line, stop, switch, long down the line. Whereas it was really good to see Hind playing the type of football and Redmond playing the type of football that they were playing last year when we were at our best. And you know, potentially that's what the game plan has been all along is that if there's no option for them to run up the guts, then we want to hold possession and then we want to push the ball forward, um, you know, and hope that Peter Wright makes a contest and that we can get to the feet and, and win it there or, or let our contested work be our strength at that point. But we just haven't seen it. And Saturday night was the first time in a long time that I'd seen that run and that dash and that carry. And I think Nick Hines' family was sitting behind us. And just the fact that um, every time he got the ball, they were saying, look, no one's going to catch you if he runs. And it's so true. It's very rare that anyone's going to catch him if he can get outside of 50 running through the guts. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I, but it's just about him, you know, doing what he's really good at and, and seeing him play with that 
flair and dash we hadn't seen for a while. You know, a little bit more of an instinctive sort of just go out and play. Mm. Um, but and, uh, but you know, perhaps that was a change. I, I think previously, uh, not so been over coached, but there, I think the way we wanted to play was very methodical. Uh, and you know, if we can't get a perfect target, let's hold on to it. Um, you know, just wait, wait, it'll it'll come. Uh, whereas, and, and I suspect that this might have been an issue early in the year because the way things are going is that you've just got to get territory and move the ball, and it's much better to have a stoppage in your forward half than have a stoppage in the middle of the ground in your back half. So if nothing works out, get yardage and just get it moving quickly because, one, you don't know what can happen with some dangerous forwards. Uh, and, and two, it's just better to, you know, you're better off having a stoppage in your front half. Um, so I think we just saw more of that. It was like, no, instead of trying to be perfect, let's be sort of good enough. You know, if, if our options are on to cut them up, let's do that. Uh, if we can switch and open the ground up, let's do that. But if it, you know, let's not waste possession by trying to play too methodical or be too perfect uh, and just get it forward to a reasonable 50-50 contest and we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, and the thing is, I understand what they're trying to do with the backwards handball, right? They're trying to handball until they get someone into space who then, with less pressure, can hit a target. Yeah. But that we've played against teams that inviting that pressure, we haven't had the composure and we haven't had the spread around the ground. We haven't had that courageous person that gets the first handball and then moves to be that option after the third or fourth handball, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so whether that's being overcoached or whether that's them being too worried about doing the defensive job or whatever that is, that certainly was the case on Saturday that we were able to handball once and then take on that kick, take on that forward handball and get the ball moving, which we just hadn't seen. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, it's perhaps sort of five years, uh, maybe even longer than that. Um. I mean, with, with with the evolution of how Richmond sort of changed the comp, so many teams just want to pressure and, and pressure and, and pressure the ball carrier. Um, whereas the idea with, you know, the backwards handball and finding space was that teams would zone off you and sit back and, and you know, try and intercept and then springboard off half back. But uh, with the way the game's going now, most sides just wanting to pressure the ball carrier and get pressure up and push, push, push on the ball. Um, that game style of over handballing and, and being willing to, you know, give the extra handball as opposed to moving it quickly down the line, just probably, I, I just don't think it's the, the way to go in, in this competition at the moment. So, but, but that's where the forward handball comes into it, right? Because yeah. if you get a, a handball backwards, you're inviting that pack of players because it's never one, it's always two or three players that come to the ball carrier. You've got to have confidence that then that next player can handball it forward, essentially over the top of that wave of pressure. And then mm. you're out moving forward. The momentum of the opposition team putting the pressure on is coming towards you, right? So if you can get that forward handball over the top and then maybe a second, then suddenly you're away. But we just haven't been executing. Yeah, and it's much easier said than done. Like you, you do, like with a forward handball, you need to be pretty perfect. Like you can very easily, you know, pop that up uh, and especially at the elite level, you know, if it's even just a, with such a difficult handball, if it's just, you know, a couple of centimetres off, that's an extra couple of seconds, oh, you know, milliseconds in the air. Uh, that's that's all some players need, you know, these these really nippy front half, um, you know, real pressure type players. It, it doesn't take much. So the, the margin for error on that side of the game is too small. And against good sides, you just get eaten up or, you know, you end up over-possessing it and doing nothing with it. So... Uh, no, I'm a big fan of you know let's let's play a little bit more dangerously and and happy to move the ball forward and, and let our forwards go to work. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. It was it was well done. Um, dislike for me is our zone defence defending the ground is it's just terrible. It is it's just not working. Um, we're obviously trying to do something similar to what Melbourne are doing, and it was good. Uh, sitting in the box on Sunday, and you could actually see Melbourne set up the ground. And they set up a very similar zone to what Essendon do, except their players know when to go. They know when the ball's in their area, and you get two or three players going to a, a kick, and then they end up spoiling and, and creating either a stoppage or a turnover, which Essendon players just don't know when to attack the person in their zone. And 
you the groundwork is there in terms of getting that zone set up efficiently and quickly, but we're just letting teams kick through it. And until we learn when to go and when to cut off the kick or when who to pressure and when, I think we're going to continue to be cut apart by half-decent sides. Yeah, I think... Um, look, building that sort of defence does take some time. It does also help, uh, you know, Melbourne have uh, potentially, you know, probably the best... Uh, I would say the best back line, but, you know, very, very... Well, the fact that Petty, you know, can play on their big boy and then May can sort of play... The, May is probably the best... Uh, um, they at least have two of the top five best intercepting defenders on their team uh, who none of them... Or if, if only one of them plays on a, the best forward every week, so... No, but it's um, not that, though. It's, it's the rest of the team. It's not Stephen May. Stephen May literally hangs out. He's the last man. So he mm. plays as the sweeper, which I would argue that Jordan Ridley would be as good as Stephen May in Melbourne playing that position. There's no question. Yeah, I was going. I was actually even thinking he's probably had a, a quieter year than what we're used to, but um, I, I, but I think that's what makes Melbourne it, it works so well because teams know well if I kick it anywhere near Stephen May, uh, this that guy's going to mop it up. So they're a little bit. More hesitant to go, and that just that little hold up that that may provides from seeing that anchor position can just be enough to let their swarm of smalls, uh, you know, take over and 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 get the pressure on the ball and cause a turnover. Well, and that's the thing is that I haven't seen us swarming. I, I see us setting up the ground in that way, but I the the people in the middle of that zone don't seem to want to go. Or they don't mm. seem to know when their time to go is. What I'm saying, are, are they more willing to take us on uh, than, say, perhaps Melbourne, given the fact, you know, they've got a, a May sitting back there or a lever? Uh, Maybe. They, you know, just, it's, they're it's a possible, bit more weary of. But I'm not sure. I, I, I can only say what I've seen at Essendon and what I watched from one game in Melbourne. And the difference that I've seen is that Melbourne know when to swarm the kicker and Essendon don't seem to bother swarming the kicker. They tend to stand in the grid and the, and then they just get picked out all the way through. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and perhaps, you know, that's, um, you know, it's on both ends of the ball that we were overcoached moving the ball, but also defending the ball. Mm. My, so, my gut feel was that, you know, obviously we had people um, coming under um, sort of attack for not defending hard enough, but my gut feel says, well, are they being told that the way this zone works is uh, you can actually work a little bit less harder on defense because so the way it's, you know it's designed to sort of trap people, uh, and and so if someone gets past you, it's like well you've got a whole. I'm not saying it works. I'm saying this might be the ideology that, um, you know, if you get beaten. It's not, it's, not, it's not the end of the world because there's such a, a web and trap behind you that you're going to get the ball back anyway. Well, uh, that's, that's and, the and purpose of the zone. Told that. Yeah, yeah, that's the purpose yeah, yeah. of the zone in the forward handball is that you only have to do your 10 metres and then you actually want to stay where you are so that you can get dangerous if this person behind you turns it over. Yeah, I'm saying I, I wonder if that was what was influencing uh, some of that you know, if you got so if an opposition player broke past your line, um, that you know, like we, they had players coming under sort of scrutiny for not running back, but I wonder if that was by design. Uh, yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, and I agree with you that, that it wasn't sheer laziness. That but, that's the case is that they've been instructed to once they're past you, it's the next person's job, and your job is to stay there for the turnover, so that we don't get into the situation where you create a turnover and there's nowhere to go forward. Mm, mm. But that's that's perhaps beside the point. I, um, yeah, maybe that's something to fix up. Mm. So, let me read a definition for you. Barometer. A barometer is a scientific instrument used to measure atmospheric pressure also called barometric pressure. These digital barometers are all displaying slightly different readings, as you can see from the pictures, which you can't on a podcast, um, etc., etc. The atmosphere is layers of air wrapped around the Earth. So a barometer is a device 
that tells you what's going on around you. Now, when football pundits suggest that a player is a barometer, what they actually mean is that that particular player, when they play well, is carrying the team and lifting the team. So I actually think the way that they use that definition is incorrect. The barometer is simply the device that shows you what is going on in the atmosphere. And so I would argue that Anthony McDonald Tippin Woody is not Essendon's barometer because he creates the game. He is the pressure. I would argue that Jake Stringer is not the barometer because again, he is more the driver. He he decides which the, the direction that the game is going. Let me suggest to you, Matthew, that the only barometer that the Essendon Football Club has is two metres tall. And his name is Two Metre Peter. Because I don't think he has that many tricks. I think he's a very honest footballer. I think he leads well. I think he has a decent set of hands. And I think he kicks straight. Two Metre Peter is not going to drag you over the line. But when the rest of the team is playing well, Boy, is he going to straighten the ship and kick those goals for you. What do you think, Matthew? Agree. But he was good last week uh, against the Dogs. He's had a very good year. He is. He's playing good for And despite uh, the uh, the uh, scrutiny you've placed on him over our time running this podcast. Deserved scrutiny. Yeah, no. Look, he, he he just. I mean, as a forward, you're only as good as what you know. Everyone up the ground is is doing, particularly if you're a key forward like Peter. That's um, why he's the barometer, Matthew. Well, that, that because you're only as good point. as what the rest of the team allows you to be. Uh, I think, yeah. Well, yeah, you've got a point there. Um, we'll, we'll run with that. Yeah, I, I I think so. I. Yeah, although I want has. Has he been good in, in, in times in which we've been poor? Eh, not really. Nah. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right mm. with that one. Mm. It's a good it's a good analogy, isn't it? I do like it. I think it's fair analysis, yeah. That's not to be disparaging on Peter Wright. Like, mm. I think what he is good at, he does very well. But he's not a player that will turn the game. Unless you create an opportunity for him to kick a clutch goal, his, his set shot is, is very good. But he's not going to pick up the game by the scruff of the neck and drag the team over the line. But what he's going to do is when the rest of the team is playing well, he's going to finish it for you. He's going to be the cherry on top. Well, let this be a statement in which you look back uh, on in, hopefully within this season, but maybe next or the one after, he will be. He will be that player. Do you think so? Do you think he's going to carry the team over the line? I think uh, he will become an ultimate opportunist. Um, uh, a bit like a Ben Brown. A bit like Ben Brown, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, very similar to Ben Brown. He's I, I another he... player that I would say is a barometer. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess most, if not all, tall forwards are. You know, is it, the exceptions are, are the ones that are really elite. Um, he who shall not be named at Brisbane, mm. uh, and and Buddy Franklin, uh, I think, are two. The rest, you know, they're all very similar to how Peter Wright plays. You know, lead hard, take take some good, strong, contested marks, compete well. Um, and then kick straight when we want you to. And that's the biggest part of, as a key forward, right? Is he he takes his shots. Mm. He takes his shots and he scores them. And that is really all you can ask for. Because what did he kick on the weekend? Uh, he kicked six goals straight. So he had six attempts at goal for 100% accuracy. That's yeah. You you can't go wrong with that, can you? So look, you know, I'm I'm the first to put my hand up and say I have 
not been impressed. Well, I wasn't impressed with his start to last year. Um, and mainly because he's not Joe Danaher. I thought he was the wish.com version of Joe Danaher. Uh, and he, he will never be Joe Danaher, but he will always be Peter Wright. And the one thing that he does a lot better than Big Joe is kick a set shot. He does, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I look forward to the day we get, look, if it is Harrison Jones, uh, whoever it is, but a guy who, when, when Peter Wright can take that second for, uh, key back, I, I think that's when we'll see the, because I see him more as a Scott Lucas than a Matthew Lloyd, and I don't mean that with any disrespect. Scott Lucas um, is one of the greatest players ever to play for Essendon Football Club, Matthew. No, but you know what I mean. Like he was—he'll always be thought of as. We all know how good he was, but he'll—you know—he he wasn't Matthew Lloyd. You know what I mean? No, I know what you're saying. And but regardless of whether it's Peter Wright or the other player who gets the second forward, the second defender, someone's getting off the chain. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying, he the, how, how like I. I don't mean this with any disrespect to Peter Wright, but I, th- I think he will be the he, he has the potential to be the best second tall forward in the comp. I I know exactly what you're saying, and I agree. Yeah. He he could potentially be the best foil that we've had since Scott Lucas. Yeah, he he could be the best Robin in the in the league. Like I don't see him being a. He's doing a good job of Batman right now. He's he's doing all right. Yeah, yeah, and and. I, I'm happy to be wrong on this, and that he, you know, he is a Batman. Um, but I, I don't envision him as a. Well, it's hard to say a Hawkins or a Cameron because they're both two Batman, aren't they? <laughs> um, but I mean, they're, yeah, they're Batman, Superman. But I, I don't envision him being a, a Lynch or a, a Nick Rewald or a, well, even Jack Rewald um, or a Hawkins, Cameron. Uh, you know, list goes on. Like I, I don't envision him being an all Australian key forward. Although the way he's going, <laughs> he could very easily prove me wrong. But I, I, I see him being just in that the top of the next tier down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like like the best, not backup, but like the best second op, like the best section op, second option in the league. Yeah, that, I, I see what know. you're saying. I, 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 I think he, you know, he's a premiership player at that position. I, I, I think he can be. Geez, yeah. that's getting ahead of yourself, isn't it? Well, well, that leads into another point. What did you think of Nick Bryan? Uh, second game. Um, look, Ruck's hard, you know. And who is he playing on? Max Lynch, who's a couple of years on him. Um, Draper, 29 hitouts. Lynch 18, Nick Bryan 11, and they spent about 70, well, Draper had 69% time on ground, Bryan had 62. Um, no, I, I, was, I was happy with his contribution. Uh, I yeah, liked more... his game. I liked <laughs> yeah. his game, and, and I'm really happy to persist with him for yeah, two reasons. No, I, I one, that. one, he's got really neat skills. He reads the play really well. He knows what he's doing. More so mm. than Sam Draper does in terms of a game sense point of view. Mm. Um, and two, what he allows Peter Wright to do, which is stay inside forward 50. I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I think um, the good thing about it is him and Draper are different enough as Ruckman and probably as people too. But um, Drapes is very rough around the edges. He's a big body. He'll throw his weight around. Not skillful, but he's just a big ruckman. Yeah. Um, or is Nick Bryan? Yeah, he's a. He, I, I mean, not that Sammy Draper can't jump, but he appears to me someone who'll jump a little bit more, um, get around the ground a little bit better, uh, a bit more skillful, just a bit more finesse, a bit more, you know, footy, a bit more of a footballer. You know what Agreed. I mean? You know what I mean? I do. Um, I do. I think that that blend will work pretty nice. And and yeah, the the what it allows us to do with Peter Wright. Um, I agree. I, I think it's much better for the team for Brian to be in, mm. um, and I, especially if if he can develop into a forward, like mm. a ruck forward. Um, yeah, no, no. I've got no barrier to. What am I trying to say? My vision isn't barriered as to what uh, he can 
potentially achieve. I, I, don't, I don't see what stops him apart from And so what that does for our forward structure then means that one of Aaron Francis and Kane Baldwin becomes Waterman and or Stringer. Mm. And then the other one becomes this, the second or first forward to, to go alongside Peter Wright. So, And I think both of those players have the potential to be that number one slash number two forward to support Peter Wright whether that's Harry Jones, but then I think the other one becomes the hybrid Stringer-Waterman um, with with uh, Nick Bryan playing tall. Because Nick Bryan, even though he's tall, is very mobile, so I don't have any qualms with being a bit taller in the forward line if he is one of those players. He's agile, he's quick, he moves really well. Yeah, I mean, I mean when we're playing like this, you know, we, we almost have an oversupply of, well, taller forwards. Um mm-hmm. Pardon me. Um, I, I can't see one of Francis or Baldwin. I mean, at the moment, they both have been pretty. I mean, Baldwin's played three games, and Francis hasn't. Just cannot get a run at it. The poor, the poor guy. Um, but I mean, he, he's a he. He could probably be the, the best third tall in the league. Um, and Stringer's fit. You know, he's mobile that we can play a little bit taller. Um, but, I mean, you only have to look at Melbourne's forward line. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty big, although a bit more dashing with Fritch. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to see how it'll, they'll, they'll make it all work. Um, I, I feel like Waterman, is, he's just a forward. He, he's not that forward mid type that I think Stringer mm. provides. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. It's it's tough. Uh, um, I, Look, I don't know which one I'd go. Yeah, we were forced but, into this structure. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think I I guess the point is that that Brian and Draper is worth persisting with, and same with Phillips, right? Whoever I think Brian obviously long term is going to be that player. But yeah, I like that because it lets Peter Wright stay forward. I so, agree. I, I think Brian. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think Brian Brian Draper is the combo to go with. Dra- mm. Right as a, a ruck forward, just it just doesn't work. I, I, it's, it, I it hurts the team too much. It does. It does. So one more that I want to leave you with is, geez, Dylan Shield looks low on confidence right now. Well, yeah, I, I mean, he he's probably a guy who's uh, never been dropped mm. before in his life. Mm. Um, so this could be new territory for him. Um. Some guys take it a little bit better than others, but um, yeah, I, I well, I think this is something the truck's been able to do for a few guys. Um, well, I mean, number one is, is Parish, right? Uh, we didn't know what he was capable of before truck came in. Um, you know, look at a guy like Tom Cutler. I, I think he's case in point. You know. Uh, <laughs> we only have to go back in time on this podcast and uh, see, you know, hear what you thought about him. But he, he's genuinely contributing at the level and contributing well. Uh, and I, I thought it was very stiff to miss out when he did. Um, Peter Wright's another one, obviously, you know, a Gold Coast throwaway, and, and you know, we, we've turned him into a pretty solid player at the moment. Mm. Um, uh, Nick Hind, although he may have been a, a, a secret. Kept Jaden Laverde, yeah. um, uh, Zachy we already knew about, but you know, seeing the growth in Perkins, Redmond was on the cusp but, uh, in the Wusha era. Mm. Um, probably one that's gone down is Dev Smith, but you know, it is hard to play. We just don't know what's going on with his knee. I feel there's a bit more to it. I, and I yeah, been, I agree. Yeah. Um, so I, I but the, all of those, you know, there would have come a time in all of those players I just named where. They were a bit 50-50. They were low on confidence. They weren't, you know, a game that came so natural to them. Now they're just at a point where it's like, I've got to grind through this and actually find my feet again. And he might be there for the first time in his career, mm. Dylan Shield. Yeah. Um, I don't I, – I wonder if across his career he he actually – because he's, he is so physically dominant, or can be anyway um, – I wonder whether the, the fundamentals of football, he actually ever got up to scratch on that. Um, like he, he's not a lace out kick, you know, mm. comparing to Merritt or, or Parrish. 
Um, those skills aren't great. Um, the talk is that, you know, he, he doesn't defend hard enough. Um, and he, he, not to say he doesn't have an identity, but um, I don't think he's ever really dominated one area. I, I think his strength is his explosive breakaway from the yeah, stoppage. Yeah, of course. And yeah, what yeah, we, yeah. What we haven't been able to do is to facilitate that for him and let yeah, him but, be that player. It's, it's, it's all going to well to be explosive, but if you can't kick the ball, uh, what, what uses it, it, you know, of us getting it to you on the outside? But at the same time, he's not an elite inside mid either. Mm. Um, so he's a bit of a combo. That's what I'm saying. He's uh, yeah, Yes, he does have a brand and we know his strengths, but... Um, he, ah, it's a hard one. But anyway, I think I think we just, I hope that he can, and he will. He's a professional. He'll keep working hard, and I just hope that he gets his confidence back and gets to the point where he's playing the footy that we know he's capable of. Because if we all start to play well together, um, he, again, similar to Peter Wright, is sort of the cherry on top that can really break games open. Yeah, and that's and you don't have to look back to 2018-19, and this guy was... Um, he was you know, head and shoulders our best player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was our shining Long light stretches. of hope. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I meant like you, I hope he can get back. But uh, perhaps for him it's just a turning point and he's just getting found out in some areas. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's you just got to do a little bit of, not soul searching, but probably just go back work on a few things and, and once he gets that right, things will start turning and, and, and we see the shield of old. So why don't we wrap up this segment with a nice, mm, neat little bow, away. and let's uh, let's say, look, I'm I'm pleased with, obviously pleased with the result, um, pleased with patches of the performance. I think still inconsistent. I think our team defence still really struggles, but a game like this can sometimes give the group a bit of a circuit breaker in that the pressure's off. Five changes coming into the game. You know what? We're already at rock bottom. It can't get any worse than this. So let's just have a go. And then sometimes that can be enough to start that momentum and start that change, that mindset, get some confidence back and rolls from there. So, I mean, we've got a really tough few weeks to test that headspace out. And we were competitive in a lot of games last year and didn't quite get over the line. So it'll be interesting to see where our headspace is over the coming Mm. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, is it a, a turning point or is it a, uh, a breath of fresh air? Uh, sorry, is it a turning point or is it back to all ways after this week? Mm. So why don't we take a little bit of a break and then when we come back, we'll uh, look ahead to the Sydney Ugly Ducklings. So, Matthew, Saturday evening, 7.25. Is it the SCG or um, Stadium Australia? Uh, I actually have no idea. Um, uh, SCG. SCG. No, oh, no. mate. That, oh, I hate that ground. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like a little... It's like a, a junior-sized oval. Oh, and they always wet it and, oh, it's disgusting. Anyway, SCG... One of my most hated teams of recent memory, the Sydney Swans. Tell me about this game. Wait, sorry. Say, say that. Say say that again. Uh, that uh, sort of bit of connection issue there. So my one of my most hated teams of the most recent era of football, Sydney Swans. How yeah. does this one play out? Do we get finally get two in a row, or do we continue our losing ways? Tough one. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if we actually want to be serious and say the comp, uh, no, we'll, we'll beat decent teams. Um, I mean, this is an opportunity for us. So uh, how does it play out? Probably wet and scrappy. Um, I'm just looking at past performances. Uh, we lost by seven points last time. It's always time. close. 
They've lost by three the time before that and a goal the time before that. So history would say it's a chance to go down to the wire. Um, And I've just got this – do we tend to play them a lot just at a time when, like, we're sort of Mm. on the – like, we're at a bit of a crossroads for the season? Yeah, we do. Or am I just, I'm making it up. <laughs> but, no, we do. Um, we, we, we tend to always get them when we're... Well, we've always been in bad form, right? But when uh, we're starting to really show a bit of form, we haven't beaten anyone yet, but we're starting to improve. And they've all, the, the last couple of years have been a really solid outfit. Um, I, I think that we can... Where we'll win this game is that our contested footballers are coming to the peak of their powers, theirs are on the slide. So I think that's what makes it particularly even. I think the smallness of the ground will probably help us stifle their ball movement with our uh, our team defence. It's whether mm. we can have enough guts to get some run and carry along the ground to create enough opportunities for our forward line that will... Um, be of benefit to us. Yeah, I'm just looking at their their line. I, I think it's, it is a very even contest. Um, you know, Merritt and Parish versus, you know, and well, Merritt Parish. I don't know if you throw McGrath in there or Caldwell or Shield. Um, you know, versus Mills, Lloyd, and Parker, who were you know Mills's. Um, the talk around him is, you know, he's all Australian and and the best two way mid in the comp. I think that's probably a fair analysis. So. Um, down there, we, yeah, we, I think we're um, yeah, decently matched in in there. Uh, obviously, we, we maybe have some ascendancy in the ruck uh, with Adams. Oh no, Adams and Draper. No, I think that'll be a that'll be a pretty decent uh, contest. There, yeah, Adams pretty good around the ground, and then they've got some young guns. Um, you know, Heaney can get off the chain, uh, although he's he's probably not young anymore. He's coming into his own, so he you know he's danger for us up forward. Especially if we don't have Stringer, we don't. I don't know if we have a response to that. But guys like Goulden, uh, Blakey, McInerney, Warner, um, Florent, you know, got some some kids who can play. Uh, but on the other side, we do too. You know, Perkins, mm. uh, Hobbsy, if he, you know, um, is up to scratch again, and um, just flicking flicking through as well. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're two that really come to mind. Uh, yeah, I think my concerns are. Um... How does Franklin go? He always tends to have a day out of it against Martin, us. I should say too, yeah. Um, and the talk is that uh, Hickey will be back in this week. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. So oh, we, yeah, okay. It's a, it's a big job in the ruck. So, look, I, I think they're a better team than us this year, mm. clearly. Mm. Um, but I think if we continue with some confidence and to improve, given our recent history against Sydney, it, it's obvious that we tend to match up well against them. Mm. Um, and so that's the thing that gives me a little bit of confidence going in that we're coming off a win. Uh, we tend to match up well against these guys and hopefully we've had a bit of a turning point in the season. I think it's, it's going to be a really tough ask. I think they probably still get the win, but let me leave you with this little ditty, Matthew. And that is our two wins this year have come against Adelaide Crows and Hawthorne Hawks. Only bird mascots. <laughs> and up next is the Sydney Swans. Perhaps we don't make the finals this year, Matthew. Perhaps we don't win a final. But perhaps this is the season where Essendon says, no little birdies, the Bombers are the kings of the skies. You are dead set a goose. <laughs> no. You are dead set <laughs> The point is, I'm not a goose. I'm a fighter jet. Therefore, more powerful than a swan. You are... Yeah. I actually might just log off. You can finish it <laughs> off yourself. See you later. Ugh. Well, there goes Matthew. Yeah, I, I think, guess that's yeah. it. 
Yeah, uh, no, I think you uh, just the connection there again. But uh, all good. We're back. Um, so, so give me a margin. Oh, tell me, tell me where where this game's won and lost, and give me a margin. Swans by five points. Uh, I don't think there's an area of the ground in which the game is won and lost. I think it will come down to conversion. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I reckon that's where it'll come down to. Also, depend, you know, the boys, if, if well, who comes in are those boys? Uh, and I should also, uh, Sam Durham as well is another young jet of ours who probably doesn't get enough recognition, but he, he's, a, he's a superstar in the making. Um, who are those young boys comes in? And, um, like, obviously, yeah, I think Ridley's a, foregone conclusion there um i can't even name who went out i can't even remember but i probably kelly yeah look i honestly think like i think we do have somewhat of an answer to all of their points of i don't say points of difference but their, their strengths I, I think we do have a bit of a response to that but i don't know whether that's actually better um mm. But I honestly, it'll come down to the team who takes their chances the most. I think Let me that's tell you, considering that we actually turn up and play the way we want to play. Yeah. Let me tell you this. It's going to be an epic shootout with Buddy Franklin to kick 12 <laughs> and 2-meter Peter to kick 9, but Essendon to prevail by four points. You're, you're crazy, aren't you? I am. What? Watch this space. Next week, I'll be talking about the second miracle on grass in a row. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm very. I mean, I'm very happy for you to, to convince me wrong, but yeah, I don't know. I, I um. I think we're going to struggle. I think. I think particularly after losing to Gold Coast, um, they'll regroup, and I think we may have a shellacking on our hands. True, they um, are vulnerable. Although Gold Coast and Gold Coast, I don't think Gold Coast and Gold was it. It was in the Gold Coast, wasn't it? No, it was in Sydney. Was it? Yeah. Let's look back here. Um. Oh well, there, there you go. Perhaps not uh, as unbeatable as, as what you thought, but um. I, I'll. These are the sort of games where. I don't know, like. Oh. We de- as Essendon fans, we, we definitely. And listening to Nick Rewalt during the week, I think it's a fair analysis. We we probably overexpected achievement uh, given last year and how we finished and, and you know, who we played. And I think, okay, that's that's actually fair. We overexpected what we want. But, uh, you know, Nick Rewalt sort of just said, you know, Essendon fans are just overexpecting. But I, I don't think it was that. I think it was the manner and the and the, and the and the way in which we were losing and, and, and the, yeah. you know, just the unspirited, if that's a, the right word, um, way of playing. Like, I think that's what frustrated most. And, and mm-hmm. these are the games, having a better idea of where we're at, these are the games in which, like we said, we never like an honourable loss, but I'm happy to go down and say, yeah, we just got beaten by a better side. Mm-hmm. Like, that happens. And these are the uh, kind I'm... of games, like th- these are those kind of games where you say, right, we rolled the dice, we played how we want to play, Everyone put in, you know, it wasn't a, a genuine lack of effort. They're just a superstar team and we're not there yet. Mm. Uh, and perhaps, you know, this is one of those games. Having said that, their age profile might be a bit, wouldn't be too dissimilar to ours. So mm. there's a flip side of that and saying, well, they're at where they're at and, and we're not. So, yeah, um, I agree. It goes both Great. ways, doesn't it? Well, Maddie, where can people find us? Uh, Instagram, the Donfather Pod. Uh, we don't have a Facebook page, do we? Uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I think we're on Podbean as well. Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, continue and listening on this platform because we'll keep uploading to it. How's that? Give Perfect. us a follow on the um on the Instagram. Let's see, Nella. Uh, do it's been good. It's been good. Very, very, very well marketed. I, I think. For She's very, done a good job small scale shows so uh looking forward a big thank you to all the people who actually listen to us and uh, we are growing <laughs> somehow somehow we are growing the, the wish wash there. that we put on the airwaves every week uh people listen in so thank you for that uh, and hopefully 
you know, soon if we keep growing, we can actually have something to put on offer and, you know, a, a way in which Essendon fans can engage more and engage more with us. And, uh, you know, if you do want to engage, please message in and let us know and, uh, yeah, look forward to it. All righty. All righty. Well, thanks for joining me, Matthew. Ciao. Thanks for Thank listening, you. team. Thanks for having me. Until next time, go Dons. Can I do the outro music here? Please. Can you you got to time the uh, the the outro with with the way I start here? So, I tell you, I tell you. Get me off the air. <laughs>